This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday's sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Welcome back to the Grace Deep Dive Podcast with episode 22. Episode 22. It's hard, guess, to, it's hard to imagine. It's already been 22 weeks because we do one a week, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been, we skipped a week, so I think it's been 23 weeks. Wow, it's kind of been been flying by about six months now. Um, still enjoying it, I hope. Um, I'm enjoying it. I don't know if you're still enjoying it, John. No, I, I actually, you know, it's really hard for me because I got to spend all this time with you and I'm not, no, I'm just kidding. Of course, I love it. It's great. It's well, yeah, fun. Well, you're not getting your, yeah, I'm not giving you your check back now. You're, <laughs> no. I'm keeping it for that. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we're, we're still in the, the series uh, Faith and Doubt and kind of moving along. And, and it's funny because you, you titled this sermon Temptation 2.0. Yeah, t- you're right. And, you know, when you- when like you, Temptation Island or something, which is apparently a thing again. I don't know if it ever went away or not, but- Was that a, on the Survivor? It was, like a, it, some, it was like a reality show where there's this island and these couples go go to this island to be oh, tempted. Oh, yeah, okay. To see if they can withstand the temptation. That is a really idiotic idea, by I the way. I think like so a know. great idea. Yeah, oh, right? right? I think it's a great idea. You may be fired tomorrow. <laughs> to, to, to throw yourself into temptation is a great idea. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, though, because, you know, we you obviously called it Temptation 2.0 because Abraham is is committing the same kind of sin he did before yeah. um, of, you know, kind of going into a new place and, and lying about who his wife was. And, and then they took her as their wife and just kind of it just seems... Stupid. It well, but yes, but don't we all do that though? Not that specifically. Yeah, lying about who our wife is, but um, just the, the idea of going back to similar sins and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, why do you think we do that? Why do you think we struggle with specific sins and and not others? We just we love our sin, man. I mean, it, it's. I think we talked about that even last week on the podcast. But we do. We just love our sin. I think. Um, you know, we have this idea or this thought that somehow whatever the particular sin is, is going to meet some, some need or some desire and that, and that that'll be fulfilled. Um, and, and it really isn't, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where we're money, right? Everybody wants, wants to be wealthy until they get there. And then, and then it's not enough, you know, it's, oh, I made enough to buy a really nice car, but now I really want a nicer car or now, you know, you know, to take it to an extreme. Now I want a private jet or whatever the case might be. And, and so I think we just love our sin or we love the idea that, that it'll fulfill something, but it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill anything really. And so I think, I think we just put ourselves in those situations again, but it's not just money. You can take it into all kinds of areas, whether it's, you know, lust or, or something like that. You know, somebody who struggles with pornography continues to put themselves in a situation where they will struggle with it, you know, and they, they, stay up late at night by themselves with their computer or whatever it is when they know that's when they struggle or they don't, they refuse to put something like covenant eyes on their computer to help keep them accountable or, or, you know, or some, or something else. They, they love to eat donuts. And so they I love stop donuts. at the same donut shop and they say, Oh, I'm just going to get the coffee, but they always buy three donuts. Yeah. You I know? drive by the same donut shop every day. Yeah. Just to get out and smell it and I leave. <laughs> Was that right? No, 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 no. Yeah. I didn't think so. Cause you'd end up walking in maybe not every time, but yeah, you end up walking yeah. in, you know? So, so whatever, whatever the sin or the struggle, you know, whether it's lying and, and for Abraham, obviously it was, it was a lying issue. And we think that lying will get us out of a situation and usually just complicates and makes things worse. So if we go back to the, just the beginning of time, <laughs> sin enters the world. What theologically speaking is sin? Like 
why is this? What what is it yeah. about sin that kind of creates this longing to rebel against God? Yeah, I think that's a great question because we don't like to talk about sin in society. We don't we don't really. I I think you know as as I look back and you know to kind of take it into the political realm, you know, it's not common that you get a political figure that will actually talk about evil things. Uh, Reagan, you know, President Reagan did that in the 80s and and in a significant way. There's probably been some since that have that have used the words evil. I think maybe Trump has. I don't know. But, you know, but there, and there, there's probably others, but we don't talk about evil, wickedness, sin. Like those are things that that we don't think are real, or at least we don't treat them as if they are real in how we talk about things. And so we talk about mistakes or, or things like that, or bad choices. Um, we use that kind of language because it's not as condemning. Um, but the reality is this, sin came into the world. It was significant. It hurt us. It brought death and everything wrong with the world is because of this thing called sin. And it is wicked and it is evil and it has infected our hearts and our minds and, 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 and it's a real thing that we have to deal with on a personal level as well as a societal level. Um, it's just real. And so, and so you, you begin to think theologically, you know, it was, um, it was Augustine who talked about, you know, evil is the absence of good, you know, kind of like since we brought up donuts, it's the donut hole. Okay. You know, it's, it's the hole in the, it's the hole in the donut. There's no donut there. Right. Or, or it's the donut itself. And the good is the whole, I don't know, <laughs> depending on how so, you look at it. Well, to make it easier though, I like cinnamon rolls. So that makes it a lot easier. Uh, that analogy. doesn't work at all actually, okay. with the analogy, okay. but, but, uh, but that, that absence of good is what is wicked, evil, sin. And so, you know, you go back and you look at the Greek and people talk about missing the mark, but I even think you know, cause it's an archery term. It's a, it's a targeting term and, and that that's true missing the mark, but I think it's far worse than just, Oh, I just barely missed the mark of good. No, that's not what theologically yeah. what's being talked about in the Bible. It's much worse than that. It's, it's doing those things and thinking those things and feeling those things, which are contrary to God's desire and the way God created the world to be. And that is good as, as the creation story reminds us. You know, you kind of brought up something. It made me think of it and tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, obviously we struggle with sin. We don't like that. We sin. Uh, some of us, you know, those who are believers probably well, re- we, we wrestle lo- with yeah. the sin. We wrestle with it, but we still do love it. Yeah. And you talked about how, you know, we're kind of infected essentially. Yeah. Is that, would it be fair to say that we're almost like, um, babies who were born addicted to a, a chemical substance, like, you know, like a, like a, um, a drug baby or something. We're kind of born in this a sure. sinful body that desires to hurt basically. Cause you know, no one wants to do drugs. You, I mean, you do drugs so, uh, from what I've heard because you know, it feels great, but they know they're hurting themselves, yeah. but they can't stop. Yeah. Is that kind of how it is as a believer? So, or, uh, as, pe- as people, we are born in a sinful nature. We desire things that are contrary to what our, what we should desire and, and, inevitably is going to hurt us and destroy us, but we really have a hard time stopping those things. Is that why, um, you know, as we submit to Christ and, and it's a, it's a normal thing to battle sin and, and to be frustrated by the fact that it doesn't leave us, that it, I mean, it is a constant struggle, but is it us following Christ and submitting to him and getting stronger against it's, you know, almost like we're, we're detoxifying yeah. through Christ, of course, but, um, from that, from that sin nature. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, every analogy has its limits, whether it's the sure. donut or, or or the 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 drug baby. But I think there I think there's definitely some things there that that 
are similar, right? Um, you know, the drug baby, it's not that the drug baby, the baby doesn't know that it's addicted. It doesn't know what, what the absence of addiction is like. Okay. You know what I mean? And no, but I think that translates, right? So we don't, uh, we don't really know what the absence of a sin nature looks like. I mean, we, we have some ideas because scripture has given us some ideas, but we, we don't know what that feels like on, in an experiential completely way. Yeah. We do, we do, we don't know. And, and a lot of times what happens, and I think about, I think about this with uh, pot, you know, pot's been uh, in Colorado here, kind of one of the things in recent years that, you know, it's legalized and all those things. And, and I, um, guy from the gym works in the pot industry, actually a few guys that I know there work, work in the pot in pot industry. And, you know, they will, they will tell you, Oh, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's okay. And all that kind of stuff. And I'm setting aspect the medical aspect because we both know some people that have benefited from the medical. Yeah. yeah. And so I think there legitimately is something there in some circumstances with the medical, but, but the recreational, we just, oh, it's no big deal. It doesn't hurt you, but it does, it does hurt us. And there's all kinds of stories on that. And I, I don't want to get too far into that other than to say, we see sin, but we don't always see, see it for what it is. We deceive ourselves to tell us it won't harm us, right? It's going to be okay. It's not going to hurt us or it's not that bad, or it's a victimless crime, or whatever. We justify, just like Abraham justified his lie, we justify it and we convince ourselves, we lie to ourselves to tell ourselves that, oh, it's going to be okay, or I'll just do it this one time, or it's not going to hurt anybody, or whatever, but it does. And we end up, what Isaiah 5 talks about, in, in like verse 20 and following, it talks about, it talks about confusing the wicked for the good and getting those things flip-flopped. And we see that a lot in our society where those things are flip-flopped and, it, and it's not good. And we experience the consequences of that. Hmm. You know, sometimes I think if we look at, you know, the fact that I may struggle with certain sins and, and you may not struggle with those sins or yeah. vice versa, or right. it, sometimes we can get this um, kind of judgmental attitude yes. towards, towards others. Like, yes. oh, well, I don't, struggle at all with, with cursing. So yeah, that's sin. So, um, what is, why do you, uh, I mean, do you think that this kind of plays a factor into us being judgmental a little bit sometimes towards others or? Yeah, of course. And you know that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, judge and being judgmental is a sin in in itself, right? I mean, it's comparing yourself. You're just falling to a different sin. You know, that doesn't mean we shouldn't make judgments and we can, you know, we could talk about that more and we're not going to today, but but yeah, being judgmental as opposed to making a judgment, those are different things. And absolutely, we look and we, we look at somebody else's sin and go, oh, it's so much worse than anything I do. Um, you know, we like to build ourselves up. Or on sometimes we do the opposite. We go, oh, that person's got it all together and I'd struggle with all these sins. Well, nobody's without sin, right? Romans 3.23, right? Nobody's without sin. So everybody has their own sin struggles um, and everybody needs grace and forgiveness and, and, and the good a loving message of the gospel. And, um, and, and so that, yeah, we, we, we get judgmental real fast mm. and we need to be careful of that for sure. You brought up, um, obviously we're talking about Abraham and Sarah and, yeah. and the, kind of the lie. And then Abimelech is kind of like this guy who gets brought into this thing yeah. without even really knowing, you know, he just, he's, he's the victim of the victimless crime. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> exactly. So he, he's, you know, Hey, I'm going to take her, uh, to be my wife or whatnot. And, 
Turns out she's married. He didn't know that. Right. Uh, because her husband didn't say anything. Right. And no, there were serious consequences. He was getting death. Oh, yeah. It was serious consequences. Well, that's the crazy thing. So, like, he didn't even know anything until God revealed it to him. That's and then right. he was held accountable. Yes. And he had to make the right decision. Yeah. Um, do you think that ignorance is bliss sometimes in knowing, like, hey, uh, I didn't know? Or... <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, maybe sometimes. And should, the but question is, should we like um, show others their sin? This is kind of more my question. Should we, um, if we see somebody in sin, should we, isn't it easier to just let them be in sin right. and not like leave that condemnation, condemnation to them? Or is it, should we say something, you know, to them and to help them out or, or whatnot? Well, that's really difficult. And I think that there becomes an issue of priority. Like, what is your priority? Is your priority redemption, forgiveness, uh, bringing somebody to Jesus Christ so that they can experience the 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 good uh, and and uh, loving gospel? Um, if that's your priority and it ought to be, uh, then there are times to mention sin and times not to. Right? Like a person needs to know that they're a sinner like everybody else in order to recognize that they need to be saved. Right? Um, that they need grace and and the gospel message, but. Uh, do we need to fix every sin before they come to Jesus? No, we don't. And so I don't think there's a clear answer there. I think it's, there's, there's kind of a, you know, we got to be sensitive to the spirits, uh, wisdom, you know, we got to seek wisdom from the spirit, ask for wisdom as James talks about, um, and really seek that out and going, you know, what, what do I confront? What don't I confront on a societal level? I think we can, and, and a political level, there are times when I think we can be more vocal about specific sins that are infecting our society and, and hurting us, us culturally. But we, but even then, we need to do it with grace and kindness and, and be careful. Um, the gospel message is more important. Uh, you know, so, it, man, it's, it's really tough to know when to say something and when not to. And there isn't. There isn't like, here's, here's your three things. And you just always your, do it here. You yeah. Know, yeah. You always do it here and you never do it here or whatever. And and so there, there, there's an experiential piece of that, that we just got to grow through experience, but there's also a, a reliance on the Holy Spirit's uh, wisdom and, and guiding in that and, and trusting, um, you know, and Peter talks about always being ready to give an answer, but doing so with, with gentleness. And so we need to be able to do that. And we need to really work on that. And I read a review, by the way, of Unplanned, which you're, you're probably going to bring up in a, in a minute here, but um, a, a pastor's review. And he just hammered the movie. And and you kind of got the sense as, as you read the review of the movie that he was kind of one of these hammers looking for a nail, you know, and and for a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, oh, it's beat it down because it didn't, it didn't proclaim the gospel message. Well, that wasn't the intent of the movie. And, you know, it, it, in other words, even towards, even towards that movie, which I think reflects at least some aspects of a Christian message, not every aspect, some aspects of a Christian message. Um, he was, he was trying to, you know, he was, he was the hammer. He wasn't speaking with gentleness and he didn't understand the idea of doing so. Uh, he just wanted to like, just, you know, be a hammer hmm. and, and man, hammers work for some things, not for others. <laughs> Especially in a situation that is so sensitive as yeah. um, pro-life, pro-abortion or yeah. pro-choice and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was we don't have, have to I, jump down plan now. I, I, if you, no, unless you were going to, but no, oh, I was going to tell, uh, kind of jump. I, I was, I was coming to it. I was wanting to say something and I, I, I spaced out, but I brought it back. It's back to me, but okay. I probably will lose it again now that I'm talking so much, but, um, <laughs> no, I think it's, it's true. I think it comes down to motivation, you know, when it comes to confronting sin and, and being gentle about that kind of stuff, what, what's your motivation? Why are you doing it? 
Um, are you doing it to help them? Are you doing it to to show them something? I mean, you right. don't have to manipulate them and control them, um, but it is f- loving to say, "Hey, this is this is." You may not see this, but it's gonna hurt you yeah. at some point, and you're not living the way you should be. I, I even like the passage, um, and I think it's in Corinthians, but it talks about how how Paul didn't want to burden the new believers with all these rules and regulations. Hmm. You know, he just wanted to let them find who they were in Christ. And then begin to start putting yeah. some of those things in, into play. Some of those things that that might, um, you know, some, some of the areas they need to grow in. So, right. Um, you know, I didn't really study that passage right now at this moment, but yeah. Anyways, that's kind of just brought came to my mind. Uh, but yeah, since you mentioned the movie Unplanned, you know, you used it in your sermon. Why did you decide to to use it in this particular uh, uh, sermon? Yeah, you know that's that's a great question. I think what is unplanned? For? I mean, I'm sure everyone knows what it is, but well, I don't know if everybody does. Um, it didn't get a, a lot of uh, ads and stuff on TV. It was a movie that came out this past weekend. It's a story of Abby Johnson, uh, who was a Planned Parenthood worker out of college or in college. She was a volunteer, and then after college, she came on staff at a at a Planned Parenthood, and. Uh, ended up being the director of this, of this Planned Parenthood facility, uh, which, you know, I don't, it employed, you know, on different days, I was just listening to an interview about, of her, um, Warren, Warren Cole Smith was doing an interview from Breakpoint and we'll, we'll link to that too, by the way, so you can listen to it. And she can tell, she kind of tells that story a little bit. Um, you know, but it, it, it was running a facility and there was, you know, on, on days they were doing abortions and things like that, there'd be like 12 people there. And on other days it was probably eight people there. And, um, and, and she was doing pretty well. She had gotten the award for, uh, I, like, like an employee of the month type award. I can't remember the exact name of it, but like the best, um, basically manager of a facility in the whole country. And she, she, a national award, yeah, a national kind of award wow. for, for her work there. And, um, and she ended up witnessing an abortion through an ultrasound, an ultrasound guided abortion after, after she'd been there eight years, she didn't work on the, on the medical side of things. She spent time with patients and things like that, but not during, she wasn't, she was never part of those procedures. So after eight years, she walks in, she's holding the ultrasound, um, cause they were short staffed or something and she sees it. And this experience of, of witnessing firsthand what happens during an abortion Along with some other things that happened, you know, where, where she was, she became convinced that this whole idea of Planned Parenthood's purpose being to make abortions safe and rare, um, really wasn't the case because all of a sudden they were being pushed really hard to like double their, their, their sales of abortions basically. And so that's not making it rare. That's making it more common, right? Profitable too. More profitable. So uh, and so uh, some other things that, that happened that led to that. And then she saw that and realized at that point, um, there's something really, really desperately wrong here. And she becomes this, a pro-life advocate to, is the, but it's worth seeing it is rated R. It, it deserves an R rating, um, because of its portrayal of, of, of abortion. She herself had two of them. And so, uh, you know, so, so that the violent act of abortion is what got it the R rating. And as many people have pointed out you know, in, in many places in our country, uh, a young, a young girl, a teenager can go get an abortion, but now they can't go see a movie about an abortion because they're oh, not yeah. old enough. That's funny. And yeah, Ironic. well, it's not fun. It's yeah. tragic is what yeah. it is. But, um, so that's kind of the story of the movie, but the reason I brought up is twofold. One's timing, right? It's, it's, it is something that's 
out right now. I think it does convey certain aspects of a Christian message. It's not the gospel message. It's not its purpose. It's, it's dealing with the issue of abortion. But I think it's consistent with what the scripture teaches about life and about abortion. And, um, and, I think that, and, and I think that God has used her and used what she was doing with Planned Parenthood and facilitating these abortions over 20,000 over those eight years, she, she had some role in, in the sense of, you know, whether she was running the clinic or whatever. Um, and God, God used that, that thing that was, that's terrible. That's sinful, I believe. And I believe I can support that with scripture, um, to, to redeem it. And God did this kind of does the same thing with Abraham. You know, he lies and he's not doing this good thing, but God redeems it. And so I think, I think those aspects, that's kind of why I brought it up was one timing. Um, it came out this last weekend and obviously I was doing the sermon this last weekend, but two, I think there was aspects of the message of both that, that, that work together and that whole idea of God redeeming things that we do that are wrong. I think there's some there's something so devastating sometimes too you know, living, um, years and years and years and devoting so many years of your life to something. Yeah. You know, I'm not just talking about Planned Parenthood or, what, or working there for her. There's her other case. things. There's many other things. Oh yeah. So we, we waste so much time and we, and we've hurt ourselves for so many years in specific certain sins and all that kind of stuff. Then you get to the point and you do, um, cry out. Yes. But there is some sort of, um, longing for what was lost. You know, Absolutely. there was, there was no purpose and you feel like there was no purpose and you wasted so much time and God just says, you know what? I'm going to redeem. I'm going to redeem all I'm that. I'm going to redeem yeah. this. And what is, what is re- when God redeems, you know, what does that mean? Like theologically speaking, what does it mean to redeem Great something? question. Yeah. And that, that it should be understood differently from forgiveness. For example, it's one thing to forgive. That's, which is a good thing and a godly thing and a God thing too, right? It doesn't but, take, that doesn't take away the, the wasted time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't take that, that time that was wasted or whatever it was, or that career for her, it was a career for Abby Johnson, right? It was her career for eight years. It was the first eight years of her working life after college was, was with Planned Parenthood and she had built herself up to a high position, made all kinds of money and then realized that the money she was ma- she had made the money that was coming to her and her pay- paycheck was because of this sin this ab- sin of abortion which i know there's people who've had abortions and and you know connected to that and maybe even people that disagree with me but I, it's a sin and scripture i think is clear about this um and so god she, she to forgive is to say okay that's forgiven but to redeem it is to now take that unproductive time or even that, that counterproductive time to the, for the kingdom of God and go, no, 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 I'm now going to redeem it. And I'm going to take that and use it for something good. Right. And so, and so the forgive would have been, okay, that's forgiven. Now move on. Now, now here's your new career. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now here's your new career as an office manager or something. And office manager. Of course. That could it's be a redemption a as well. Yeah, but yeah. It's a different career. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, there, but you, there's no, except maybe using some of the administration work she used, but there's yeah. no real redemption for what she did. Exactly. Yeah. But, but God did redeem her experiences because now she's a pro-life advocate helping other uh, workers in the abortion industry, whether it's with Planned Parenthood or somebody else, come out of that and 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 being a voice for women and for and for the unborn and for those as Proverbs talks about who can't speak for themselves, 
And, and that's what we're called to do. So God used that negative, that bad experience, that sinful experience and says, now I'm going to use it for the kingdom of God. That's redemption. Mm. And, and I think that that's so beautiful to, to recognize that God can take something horrible that's happened to us, whether it's sin or not. You know, we, we both got a friend uh, named Danny who lost uh, a six month old. Um, and, and God has used that, he used his life to, to speak to other parents who've lost, you know, children or babies or whatever. Um, and so that's redemption. That's using that, that horrible experience, whether it's a loss sin thing or, yeah. or just a significant loss or whatever. Now I'm going to use it for the kingdom of God. Now I'm going to use it to bless somebody's life. Now I'm going to use it, you know, for the good. He doesn't and waste that's redemption. He doesn't waste anything. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and just to clarify too, I know we've talked about it before in the past, but you know, if you have had uh, an abortion. Oh man. Yeah. We, we may call it a sin, but we also say, man, we there's understand forgiveness and, and redemption and there's redemption. Yeah. He can, God can use that and our heart break breaks for you. You know, yeah. it does. It truly does break yep. for you. So, yep. um, well, in the midst of, of that, the, that point, the you, sermon wasn't really about abortion. It was just that illustration I used yeah. redemption. And, and yeah. you actually used, you know, three, we brought three points. And, and to me, I even told you uh, yesterday, I think I was like, yeah, Hey, I, I talked about your three points the other day. And, uh, apparently I was, it stuck with me, John. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, Again, God redeemed that message. <laughs> yeah, and I, awesome. <laughs> no, but you had three points. One was, um, uh, when, when you, we have shortcomings, we need to own them. First of all, right, you got to yeah. own it. We did what we did was wrong. Yeah. Uh, then we got to give it over to God. Yeah. And then let him do something with it. Yeah. Um, we talked about the redemption piece already, but why do you think we get so stuck on um, parts one and two, which is owning it and then giving it over to God? Um, why is that that's so difficult for us? Well, I, I think it's difficult for a few reasons. One is I think when we own it, we're scared of judgment. I think that's one thing. We're scared that people you are going to come. You admit and say, yeah, I did. That was wrong. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're scared of other people going, no, oh, you screwed up. You messed up. And I, I wish I could tell you it's not going to happen. It might. It, it, reality is it might. You know, it's like it's like at a job and, I, and I've seen this so many times. Right. Somebody messes up at a job and they blame the screw up on somebody else. And and, you know, they're scared they're going to lose their job. They're not going to get a raise, whatever the case might be. The reality is everybody screws up. Good bosses know that bad bosses know that as well, but they don't always express that they know that and give grace. They, yeah. They have a hard time giving, giving grace, but, uh, but good bosses know that. And just as somebody who oversees a staff and things like that and has for, you know, various times in my life for, for a significant amount of time, uh, man, you just, you just gotta know, like people are going to mess up, including me, I'm going to mess up. And so and so, you know, to own it, and I, I would rather, much rather see somebody come to me and go, man, I really messed up. Okay. I can hear that. But or I already knew that. Yeah. Which is yeah, often the case, true, right? Too, I already yeah. knew that. But it's still good to hear him say, oh yeah, I, I messed up. And now I'm looking at him going, okay, that's integrity. Integrity isn't never messing up. Integrity is owning it mm-hmm. when you do. Um, and so. You, so put that, I, you can put that on a shirt, John. Oh uh, yeah, I should. <laughs> Oh, now you're right. starting know, the t-shirt business. You know, you guys know, I got to stop for, for a second because uh, if you know John, he's always thinking about t-shirt ideas. So I, <laughs> I literally, he's, he's probably going to write it down right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I might use it later. <laughs> yeah, but integrity isn't never screwing up. It's owning it when you do. And uh, and when you do own it, uh, I, I, think, I think that that's a great quality in a person. Um, 
but people want to protect, protect their job, protect their reputation, protect whatever it is. And so they, they blame it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear that all the time. If you ever find yourself complaining about your employee, your employer, or your, uh, whether it's a company or a person or whatever, um, you need to stop, man. You stop right now. You're blaming whatever it is on somebody else. You, you were responsible for your situation and, and certainly for your actions, certainly for what you're complicit to is what you, as well as what you do explicitly. Like there no excuses, mm-hmm. you know, just own it. And I tell my kids this all the time. A lot of great, and I know I don't interrupt you, but a lot of great leadership books talk about you yeah. have to own it. I mean, yeah. you don't blame, you know, well, this isn't done because I mean, I may have delegated it out, but they didn't do it. So now, now it's, it's my their problem. fault. It's not my problem. It's their, right. you know, and then, no, the reality is, is a great leader will always own it no matter what. Right. And th- there's something very empowering in that. Absolutely. Because 100%. then you do have control of, hundred percent. you know, and that's the thing through Christ, we have control. We have, and we're empowered to battle sin. Yeah, and absolutely. Sin. Well, and I talked about extreme ownership, which is a secular leadership book, but it, it talks about that aspect. I quoted uh, those guys on Sunday, but, um, yeah, but so we want to hang on to it and we want to make excuses and then give it, we just, I don't know, man, I don't know why we can't give it up. It's probably part of, cause we're not willing to own it. You know, once we own it, I think we're, we're more willing to give, give something up to God and say, okay, I screwed up. Clearly I can't handle this. So you got to help me. Sure. Um, you know, and, and, and that's not, you know, what's that, what's that phrase everybody uses, um, regarding this? It's, uh, oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Give, let what give it and let it go or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like you know, let go and let God. That's let it. Go or something God. like that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I, you know, we got to be careful about how far we take that kind of stuff. I think sometimes that can become a little cheesy, not real, but gotcha. Well, um, that kind of kind of wraps us up wraps us up a little bit there, John. Talking about temptation, talking about um, yeah. kind of owning sin, letting it go. Yeah. I think God. The beauty of it is, if you're a believer, you know we always have hope. Always have hope. Yeah. You know, whether it's um, you first realizing that you're a sinful person and you need a savior, there's your hope right there. And as we continue to grow in our relationship with Christ, yeah. uh, we have hope that God will redeem the lost years or the, or the lost, you know, um, circumstances in our life and, yeah. and do those things. Um, if you have any questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Just say, uh, email us at podcast or podcast at gfol.org. Um, but John... Any uh, additional resources for you, for us? Yeah. R- Racy Stedman wrote a book um, that's called Friend, Friend of God, and it's about Abraham, and it's really good, and, and, it's, and it's really, it's not very long, and it's really accessible, has some super cool insights. So as we go through the, the story about Abraham, that would be great. You know, I'll also put up some links to like in, in the show description or whatever to, to Abby Johnson's uh, ministries and things like that, so you can see it, and the uh, Warren C. Scott it's not Warren C. Scott, Warren C., whatever his name is, uh, interview from Breakpoint as well. Um, because I think those are worth listening to. Uh, they're, they're super, super good. And so those are some additional resources that you guys can, can, can look at. So yeah, that, that'd be good. All right, John, wrap us up. What's the big idea? Yeah. Big idea of this redemptive presence isn't about our good work. It's about the work of God through us. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.